Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This week on Barca Talk, Leo Messi's family just got a little bigger. Denny Suarez suffered an injury to his groin. Meanwhile, he's hamstrung by the club's deal with Man City. And the club has confirmed an option to bring in Arthur from Gremio next summer. A majority Barca B side made a good show in the Catalan Super Cup, and the undefeated streak in La Liga continued with a win in Malaga. We are getting fired up for the Chelsea match this week, so here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. Brian Henderson here, joining you from Buffalo, New York, and joining me from Madrid, Spain, is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from a different mother, and fellow Kules, welcome to episode 69 of the Barca Talk podcast. Brian, I'm hopped up on some meds, uh, some coffee, so I'm ready to go to talk about Barca. This is all kinds of meds. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've been sick this past week, you know, a little bit uh, here and there. We talked earlier this week. So, you know, I was a little bit under the weather. Yeah. But uh, how, how are you doing over there in Bar- Buffalo? Uh, uh, it's it's okay. You know, just had kind of a kind of a frustrating week with, uh, you know, dealing with other people. It's a it's, it's a real shame that it has to be done. <laughs> uh, mainly school school stuff. It's just B- PhD programs are never easy. And sometimes people make it even less easy than it already is. And it's uh, it's extra frustrating. But uh on the other hand, I was talking this past week with um, the president of the Fresno Pena. So we're actually going to – I will talk about that in a minute. We're actually going to be doing an interview on Monday, and we're going to air that on next week's episode of the podcast. So I am excited about that. All the Barcelona people that I've been talking to are great. It's just school people. Uh, it's been it's been tough this past week. I hear you. I mean, for – you know, I've had a rough week this week just trying to get back to normal. Um, you know, this past weekend I've been taking, I think I took maybe four siestas this weekend, just trying to recover from being sick. So hopefully this weekend will be better for myself as well. And yeah, but we have a lot to talk about with Barca and especially with the, the big match coming on Wednesday against Chelsea. Yes, we're probably going to talk about that for a while. I mean, we don't we don't know, but I, I feel like we could say plenty about that. But first, let's, there's a couple of news items that I want to talk about. Uh, first of all, let's talk about Denny Suarez because uh, there's a story that came out just like last Monday or Tuesday that I saw, and I knew I wanted to talk about it. And then in the Catalan Super Cup, he took this injury. So... So one way of, of framing this is that Denny Suarez injured his groin, but he's also been hamstrung by apparently a deal with Manchester City. So to begin, he tore his groin, or a muscle in his groin, in the Catalan Supercup. He's going to be out for three weeks. 
But then this article I was reading last Monday or Tuesday in Sport uh, says that Barcelona has uh, their deal with Manchester City when they got him from Man City. They have to pay Man City 800,000 euros for every 10 appearances that Denise makes. And that's why, or at least that's why the person who wrote this article proposes why he hasn't been featuring at all lately in the first team. Yeah, this is an interesting uh, article. I read it as well. Uh, I think it's it's kind of this underground thing that no one's really talking about with this agreement with Manchester City. If this is true, this makes a lot of sense, right? Because yeah. maybe they're just tired of paying the extra money to Man City and not having Denis Suarez appear. This could be an answer. You know, I you know we've talked about that we want to see him a little bit more on the field as opposed to Andres Gomes or Paulinho a little bit more. Um, you know, if this is the reason, I think they should have maybe no, you know told the public about it a little bit, a uh, little transparency on that. But it's interesting. Um, I kind of agree, you know believe this article because if that's true, I mean eight hundred thousand every ten. That gets priced. That's a lot. That really adds up, you know? Definitely. That definitely adds up. And, it's you know, Denny's hasn't been playing that much. Obviously, he played in the Catalan Super Cup and got hurt. But, man, it's just if you're him, you're just kind of frustrated by that clause. And hopefully, you know, that runs out sooner so that he can have more playing time. Yeah, I mean, I wonder just how long this deal lasts because – this just shows how far-reaching some of these deals can be sometimes in world football. You know, Denny's hasn't played for Man City since 2013, but the I guess it's you know part is still the it's still part of the initial deal we got him on that's still affecting his career five years later. Where you know the the club is making these decisions. I mean, if he were really delivering like hardcore, you know, tons of assists, goals, and he was really contributing to wins, you know, maybe the club would justify the 800,000 euro expense every 10 games he he plays. But, you know, he's just not there right now. I, I still think he has a ton of potential. And if he gets more playing time, he will start to feature more or he would. I think there's definitely that potential there. But if, you know, at the moment, he's not really delivering a whole lot for the for the club so there it's this calculation right they're trying to weigh the cost of playing him with the value they're getting out of playing him and i guess it's just not working out in his favor but at the same time if they if they just had him you know clean without this clause he'd probably be playing a lot more and i think he should be yeah definitely i think he would get a couple more opportunities here and there especially you know maybe in la liga example um for example against malaga he could have been out there as a center mid um, I think he would have been a better choice than Paulinho. It is crazy how far-reaching these deals are. I don't know if Barcelona wants to renegotiate that. I don't know how that would happen. I don't know if that happens often. That usually happens more when you loan the player out to another team than that gets renegotiated through that. But, yeah, I mean, who knows how long this deal is. And if I were Denise, I would be super frustrated if this is the actual cause of me not playing because, you know, you're basically wasting your 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 best years right now because of this clause. And so hopefully they can come to an agreement with Man City to either distinct, you know, extinguish this deal and go forward. I mean, they've gotten so much money already out of Denny Suarez. Um, so we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, it's, just, it's a real shame. And then, of course, there's his injury. But he's only going to be out for about three weeks. And, I mean, compared with the, the long-term effects of this contract clause – those are much worse than a, a three-week groin injury, really. Yeah, and again, the other thing, too, is, you know, he was playing in Villarreal, 
you know, last year or two years ago as a full-time starter, he was getting a lot of playing time and you could see the progression of, you know, that he was becoming a better player. And now since he's been on the Barca senior team, he's been stifled and he hasn't been playing as often and he hasn't been shown as often. So yeah, I mean, if I were him, I would be a little frustrated because again, it's the, the yin and the yang of being on the Barca senior team, but not playing or being on a other La Liga team being featured, being the man and really getting that experience that he needs. Yeah. And I think more experience is what he needs right now. Of course, when they brought him back, the assumption was that he'd be getting more experience on Barcelona, which is different from getting that experience at Villarreal or wherever. Exactly. And, and not only the experience, but also the experience of big games, you know, games that count and he hasn't been featured on, on those matches, not even as a sub uh, recently. I mean, he was getting more time in the beginning of the year as a sub coming in La Liga matches and some Champions League matches. But recently, he's just been MIA. Yeah, yeah, too bad. Now, on the good news end of things, Leo Messi had to miss the Malaga match because his wife Antonella was giving birth to their third child, Chiro. I believe it's pronounced it. C-I-R-O, Chiro Messi. So congrats to... The Messi Recuso family, welcome to the world, Chiro. Initially, it was announced that Messi was missing, quote unquote, for personal reasons. And that sounds really ominous. It's like, oh, was there a death in the family or is something weird going on? No. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Very good news. Wonderful news. Yeah. At first, I received a notification from ESPN on my mobile phone in the morning that said that he uh, was not going to play in the Malaga match for personal reasons. And I immediately thought the same thing that it was maybe something, a death in the family or he was sick or someone, you know, bad news, you know, towards the bad news yeah. uh, spectrum. And uh, he posted a picture on Instagram within a couple hours, you know, obviously welcoming his new born son. And so everyone kind of, you know, breathed a sigh of relief and obviously, um, you know, congratulations, like, as I was telling you earlier, the royal family of football, right? I mean, that's essentially what they are uh, with their three boys now. So uh, it seemed that everything went well with the, with the, uh, with the birth of the son. And so uh, congratulations to Messi and his family. And obviously, you know, we didn't miss him in the Malaga match. And I think it's actually good that he was able to get a break again, because Messi never wants to take a break. But when he has to take a break, he always seems to come harder, stronger, faster in the next matches because he's rejuvenated, refreshed. So hopefully that'll work well for us against Chelsea on Wednesday. Yeah, in fact, you know, my wife and I just the other day were, well, while we were watching the match and we learned that why Messi was missing the match, we were saying, when was the last time he missed a match? It's been a while, right? I mean, I can honestly not think of a single match this entire season that he's missed. Well, I know he missed one I think right after the Christmas break, I think he missed one that he was out. I can't remember. I don't, I don't have the the calendar, the statistics in front, but yeah, but he, he always wants to play. He loves to play and, you know, the manager always uses him as much as possible. So yeah, I can't remember the last time he missed a game where, um, where he, you know, not because of injury. Right. So yeah, well, no, I'm looking at the stats right now, actually. And in La Liga, he's played, every match except for this Malaga one and he's played most of them 90 minutes he did miss uh he was on a yellow card suspension in the first leg of the Murcia Copa del Rey tie so I (laughs) there was that but uh aside from that and then he just wasn't in the squad for the like the the first round against uh, Vigo 
He wasn't in the squad for that, and he wasn't in the squad for Murcia. But in La Liga, he's he's been on the squad for every every single game, and he's played at least some minutes. The least, the fewest minutes he's played was thirty one minutes against Espanol in the league. Yeah, and so you know Val Green's you know taking him off a couple times early here and there, but uh, yeah, like I would say, the Copa del Rey matches in the beginning of the year he missed. But, a man, he, he's a machine. He just plays as much as possible. He loves to play. So I think this was a good kind of uh, mandatory break, and I hope he'll be ready for I'm, – I'm sure he will. He'll be ready for Wednesday's game against Chelsea. Oh, yeah, I think he's going to be fired up for the game against Chelsea. But also that that photo he posted uh, with his – it was it was beautiful, really. It was just black and white, his new baby's hand holding his thumb, the tiny baby hand. It was so cute. We actually – we reposted it on our Instagram account. Uh, and, of course, he's uh, announced, you know, healthy baby, healthy mom. Everything went smoothly. So everyone's happy and healthy. And so, you know, I, I couldn't be happier for them. And, uh, yeah, you can guarantee that – Messi's going to be dedicating a goal or two in the Chelsea match to his new his new son. Exactly. So if he scores, you know, obviously he's going to do the the patented, you know, as they always do, the baby rock for their new baby when they score a goal. So hopefully he'll be extra motivated to get a couple goals and to dedicate it to his newborn son. Yeah. Now, other good news, or I, I don't know, maybe you, I think you'll think this is good news. Uh, I just got word today, the club just announced that they have reached an option to sign Arthur from Gremio in July. So they've they've worked out the deal so that they have the option to get Arthur if they want. And so if they do decide to exercise the option in this coming July, they'll get Arthur for 30 million euros with an extra 9 million in variables. So what do you think? No, I like it. Uh, I think he's going to add really, you know, more depth to our bench. I think he's going to be an upgrade um, as a midfielder to Andres Gomes, for example. I just think Arthur is a more dynamic midfielder. He's one of those uh, midfielders that can take people one-on-one. He's a physical presence. I I like his game. I just think he needs to just uh, learn you know, defensive responsibilities through Val Green's system. And I think he could be a really, uh, you know, important asset for us going forward. You know, for example, against Malaga last night, instead of having maybe Paulinho, if we have Arthur up the middle there, I think that gives us not only a little bit more possession, but also just more dynamic attacking going forward. So I think he'll be a a good uh, improvement to our bench. Uh, as a midfielder yeah no absolutely I mean what I've read about him is that he he's he's very good at holding the ball uh, and of course he's he's probably got you know good passing chops so he's gonna have he's gonna have the kinds of uh you know pass accuracy rates that we're hoping for but he's also creative and inventive but he can also really hold the ball so yeah it it seems like he would be a much better fit for us than Andre Gomes yeah, because you know, you know, Andre Gomes is my favorite player, so <laughs> it would be it would be sad to see him not play as much. But um, you know, I just think that you know, on defense now we're so solid defensively that now we just need you know some dynamic. You know, we could always use more dynamic attacking players that can take defenders one on one. Because once you break that defender, then all of a sudden you have numbers going the other way. We have Dembele, Suarez, and Messi. I mean, it's just a formidable attacking trio up there so you know Rakitic and Busquets they're great on defense they can transition that ball you know we're not asking Rakitic to take on 
players 1v1. That's just not his game. And that's fine, but we just need, for example, you know, if we take Andres Gomes or Arthur, I would prefer Arthur just because he can break that defender down. He has a little bit more flair, and I think he's a little bit faster, just more, again, as we always say, dynamic. But Yeah, um, he doesn't mind passing the ball forward. Exactly, exactly. And making those, uh, I wouldn't say dangerous, but just, you know, uh, more, I, I guess, dangerous, more dangerous through balls that will have a chance for Suarez or Messi or Dembele going forward. And that's what we really need. If we can have a bench player like that against a Malaga or against a Real Betis, you know, when, we're, when we need a break for Iniesta or Coutinho or something like that, then Arthur brings that um, depth and he's just a better player going forward. Yeah, and he's also young. So a move like this could be a good positive move for the future. Exactly. And, and this is the thing is that, you know, I would probably prefer him over Denny Suarez, for example, and so, again, as we just talked about Denis Suarez previous, um, if Arthur, you know, gets signed officially, then that's just going to push Denis a little bit further down the totem pole. So, unfortunately, you know, um, as we talked about, we would like to see Denis more. If I had a choice, I'd probably choose Arthur just because he has more games under his belt playing in the Brazilian league. And, you know, but again... Our starting 11 going forward is really strong, and now our bench is becoming that much stronger. So if we have injuries, we don't skip a beat. And that's really important because the last two years, our bench wasn't as strong, and also the manager didn't have confidence. And so when we play these matches, they were much tighter than they should be. So again, this just helps us for the whole season, especially for the amount of games that we're playing. Yeah. Now that does it for the news. And I want to shift over to our community segment now by first saying that we don't have any uh, comments or anything from any listeners uh, this week, but we do have some community things to talk about. So lately we've been doing more interviews with uh, people from Pena's all over the uh, North America, actually. Uh, I was going to say the United States, but of course, about a month ago, we had a fun interview with Michael Miller from Montreal, Pena on the show and we're going to be continuing to do that next week with Vicente Chavez the president of the Fresno Peña and we're I'm even going to be interviewing him with some other board members so it'll be like a whole conference call kind of situation uh so that's something that uh to stay tuned for next week now another part of our community uh that we've recently launched is our Patreon page uh now we talked about this last week And we're going to keep talking about it, so get used to this. Patreon is a simple, user-friendly way to support creative work, the kind of creative work that Gabriel and I are doing. So if you like this podcast, we are asking you to become a Barca Talk supporter for just $3 a month. And with that $3, you'll have access to our Monday La Liga Roundup. You'll hear more about that later in this episode. But also other bonus audio, video, live streams, and we will hold drawings for prizes as we meet certain goals that we've set. Now, our first goal is to reach 100 supporters for the show. Once we reach 100 supporters, we will hold a drawing from the pool of supporters for a customized 2017-18 or potentially 2018-19 Barcelona jersey. I hope it doesn't get that far. I hope we can get that many supporters in a short enough amount of time that we could still get a 27-2018 jersey for them. But to become a supporter, again, at the $3 a month level, just go to barsatalk.net, click on support, and then click on the Donate Now button to join the community, become a supporter, and again, you'll have access to all of that bonus content, and you'll have a chance to win that Barca jersey once we reach that 100 patron goal. So thank you, and now on with the show. 
All right, so I want to start off actually with FCB Femini. Of course, we are recording this before the big game with Atletico. We have been hyping this game for weeks and weeks as the decisive match for the Liga Femenina. And we're recording this podcast before the game has even started. So the, what, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this on Monday on our Patreon page uh, as also part of the La Liga Roundup. And we're going to talk about the FCB Femini match. So that's going to be on Monday's follow-up show on the Patreon page. So stay tuned for that. Because as we know, the the two teams are they're tied at points. They're neck and neck in the league. They drew the last time they played. They're both looking really strong and dominant in the Liga Femenina. So it's it's all coming down to this more than likely. Yeah, we've been hyping this date for a long time just because, you know, obviously the two teams are at the top. Uh, it's going to be played in Barcelona. I'm really excited to watch the match. I'm going to be watching it tonight. It's 8 o'clock local time, which is a little bit late for a feminine game, but uh, it's, it works out better for me. Um, also, we talked about how some of the players on the feminine team had to play international du- or had international duty, and so they're coming back. This will be their first game back with the team, so I'm interested to see how they combine with their teammates again. Um, this should be a good match. I'm really hoping they can pull out the victory so they can just have that point differential going forward because the first time they played they tied 1-1 so if Emini can get a victory that'll help them with the head-to-head going forward yeah absolutely so good luck on that and uh, we're going to pick up on that on the Patreon page tomorrow now Barca B another thing that we're going to have to pick up on tomorrow is their match with Numancia again they're playing this on the later side of Sunday so we're recording this before that so we're going to pick up on that on Monday as well However, the Catalan Super Cup final, which is a funny thing, right? Because there was no semifinal. There is no tournament that leads up to it. It's just, it turns out, I'm not familiar with this until this year. It's just a kind of a fun game that the Catalan Football Federation puts on once a year. Uh, it's it's very open, very freeing. And it was more of a Barca B kind of game than a first team game, even though Valgreen was managing, strictly speaking, it was first team so a lot of b team players actually got their uh quote unquote first team debuts in this match and did you watch this match at all um i didn't i watched maybe the last five minutes of it and then once the game went into penalty kicks i watched the penalty kicks because i love watching penalty kicks i just think they're very exciting and yeah but again it was wednesday night i was a little bit busy at that time but um you know I think it was a great opportunity for these Barca B players to get some more playing time. Obviously Val Green was able to see them up front and, you know, for, you know, for the most part, the team had really great opportunities. It was just converting those goals. For me, I really was happy to see Paco Alcazar get the start and see him team up with Dembele. I think Paco Alcazar had one of the better games of the, of the team. And unfortunately he just looked a little rusty because he hasn't played so much and he just missed a bunch of opportunities, but I think he shined. Um, who else shown? Uh, Dembele you know, shined uh, for sure. Dembele. Yeah. And then also it was great to see Elena. You know, you, we always talk about the infatuation that a lot of Kool-Aid's have and you and I of trying to bring more La Masia players. Obviously you can see there is some talent in the farm, but again, it's just how are we going to integrate them, you know, in the future? Because if we do sign an Arthur, that pushes Denny Suarez down and who's going to come up from Barca B to challenge those other spots, you know? So for me, I, I don't know, you know, like we, 
we watched these performances of Cuenca, Palencia, you know, everyone had, you know, a decent performance. And again, you know, Espanol also trotted their, their B lineup as well. So I guess we can say our B team is a little bit stronger than theirs because from what I saw in the match and so forth, we had way more opportunities to score, but you know, what good does it do for these Barca B players if they don't have real opportunities going forward on the senior team? Well, I mean, no matter what, it's professional training, right? Whether they move up to Barcelona's first team or whether they go and have a good career at Espanyol or Sevilla or Villarreal or, well, maybe not Athletic Bilbao because of their all-Basque policy. But, you know, you get what I'm saying. You know, just another another Primera Division side. I mean, it's it's still a career. It's not... It's not Barcelona, but, you know, it's work. (laughs) No, I get that. I get that. But selfishly, we don't want to just, you know, grow these players, have them be amazing, and then have other teams reap the benefits. You know, obviously, we should be able to have first pick. But it's, you know, it's hard because... Well, we do have first pick, and then sometimes we just don't pick them. (laughs) No, that's what I'm saying. I know we have first pick, but that's the thing is that the board is more interested obviously because we need, you know, the pressure of winning, right? We don't have that, you know, the ability to integrate more Barca V players. And yeah, we don't have those guaranteed spots that you've recommended. I don't know why the board isn't listening to you. I know, seriously. I mean, I just, I think it's a great idea because it's the best of both worlds. You know, we, you have these spots, these players can aspire for those spots. Those spots can change yearly and it keeps Kool-Aid's happy that, that they're using the La Masia players to, to streamline, to pipeline up to the senior team. And we're not just giving up on them and, you know, loaning them out to other teams without giving them a real chance at the first team, you know? Yeah. I don't know. We should launch a, a shadow board of directors for FC Barcelona. That should be, <laughs> be our, our, our second Twitter account would be shadow FCB board. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And we can put all the things that we want to, you know, integrate in our in our team but uh exactly you know the ma- the match was just you know it was basically a glorified exhibition game oh yeah uh, you know i think i think what we can say is you know some of the highlights obviously is that uh Sillison is a really good goalkeeper i mean he made so many first- saves i mean espanol they they had more than a few chances and good shots on goal and he saved all of them he did a, he did very well yeah, and that's that's a really nice thing to have, right? We have a really solid backup keeper of anything were to happen to Ter Stegen. We have a, a goalkeeper not only that's um, dominant in the air, really good at saving, but also for penalty kicks. I mean, he's had a really good history as a penalty kick goalkeeper with the Dutch national team. So he is uh, a very, very good backup uh, goalkeeper to have. And for me, again, the other highlight for me, I've just – I really wish Paco Alcantara would have scored. I think that would have really helped his confidence. And maybe Dennis, or maybe Val Green would give him a little bit more playing time. And so for me, I, you know, as we talked about the 4-4-2 that Val Green's using, you know, I like the 4-4-2 at times, but I just want him to use another forward up there and to have Messi behind. And I don't know if that's going to happen, for example, against Chelsea. I don't know what that – we'll talk about that more. But um, I guess another thing, too, is Yuri Mina getting some playing time as well. Yeah, he looked really strong holding down the the central defense, but also uh, Cuenca looked really good as well. Another young center back from Barca B. I mean, honestly, you know, the the substitutions in this match were totally open, like a friendly. So by the end of the game, I'm pretty sure every sub had come on. So even though Dembele had a great game, he made some really good runs. He looked, I forget that he's only 20, 
there are so many moments where I'm like, I can't believe this guy is 20 years old. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's funny because a lot of people had mixed opinions on his performance in this game. A lot of people said, we're giving up on him already, saying that he should be dominating this match more. You know, he's still young. He's still finding his lay. I mean, he's he still hasn't played 20 games yet, you know? So he still has a long way to go. He's understanding more of the system, the link-up play, you know, where he needs to go. And I think more, especially after this match and the Malaga match, he's starting to show more flashes. He's starting to be more confident on the ball and he's starting to find players. And so I think, you know, we just need to give him more time. Again, he's only 20 years old, but you can just see how, you know, you forget how fast he is, man. He is, man, he's, he's blazing fast, man. When he gets those balls ahead of him and he's on a a race with a defender, he's going to win that 80% of the time. Yeah, no, and not only that, not only is he fast and skilled and inventive, you just he makes these passes or these moves that you just do not expect. And actually, we're going to pick up on that when we talk about the Malaga match, I think. He's he just you could see there's just so much potential there. He's only 20 years old and you give him another year, another 2 years, he's going to start lighting things up like seriously as long as he, you know, stays healthy, doesn't get injured and gets more playing time. Exactly. And he's going to fill out his body too. That's the other thing. I mean, he's still 20. He's going to be able to fill out his body a little bit more to be I think, you know, another thing he's lacking is maybe a little bit of his upper body strength a little bit cuz he can't get pushed off very easily. But from what I see as a right winger for that 4-3-3, I think he's a great fit. I just with his speed, his ability to go one-on-one and you know, he I'm, well we're going to talk about more in the Malaga. I just think he needs to work a little bit more on his passing, his crossing. But other than that, I was very happy to see his performance in this match. And, you know, I think Kool-Aid's just need to give him, you know, a little bit more time. It's He's going to be a great player for us. Yeah, yeah. And we're, so we just got to hold on to him and, you know, keep working him. But so he had a really good game, but he did come out. Um, and I forget who came on for him. But again, pretty much every sub came on at some point. So, and this is why there were a lot of quote unquote first team debuts. Um, of course, Denny's had that collision pretty early on in the first half, but he didn't actually come out until the last minute of the first half. And Christian Rivera came on for him making his first team debut. Marcus McGuane, a 19 year old, he made his debut in this match and he's the first English player to appear since Gary Lineker for Barcelona. I thought that was interesting. He's uh, he's an Arsenal youth product. He just came over to Barca B from Arsenal in January and he came on for Alenia. And, you know, the whole the list goes on. But I just want to point out, for me, the best part was that this was my first chance to really see some of these B-team players in a full match context, not just high highlights and not just B-team players playing with the first team for, you know, 10, 20 minutes. And I was especially impressed with Palencia at right back. Another young guy, still just 21, but I can actually see a real future for him in the first team in another year or two. And of course, that leads right into our my hopes and dreams for Sergio Roberto to be in the midfield rather than being at right back. Exactly. And that's, you know, I'm hoping that maybe next year that he'll get more playing time in the midfield, that Sergio Roberto will get more playing time. So that'll just allow us to have some made on the right back. And then obviously we can have a spot open for Palencia, hopefully going forward. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. For me, I think, you know, maybe the way they've been playing now in the second half of the season, the Barca B, now that they're playing with more confidence, um, that they can play with this, you know, with these big boys kind of a thing. I think it just, you could see in the, when I saw the highlights, just the amount of opportunities we had going forward and the 
the the link up play and the way they weren't afraid to bring it to Espanol. You know, I think, you know, all our players for the most part that were that played in this match, you know, were around 19, 20, 21 years old. Whereas Espanol used their B team, which are older guys still, you know, they're not getting much playing time, but a little bit older. But you can see that these guys have confidence, they're playing well, and it's, you know, you how can you not get happy about the future of these players? You know, it's just, you just, especially if they stay in the Segunda, I, you know, I just think going forward, it's going to really help us in the future pipeline some of these players. I mean, I hope. Yeah. And also, I think it was a really good game for those, for our B team players, because like we've mentioned in the Segunda division, you are going to be playing sides uh, that have older, more experienced players, guys who have actually been in the Primera. Maybe they just got relegated this year, last year, but they've been there. You know, they've played Real Madrid's first team. They've played Barcelona's first team. They they have that experience. They have grown, grown-ass men on their sides, whereas, you know, we still just have kids. And this was yet another really good match where they're really, they really were playing the current first team, more or less, of Espanyol. Again, it wasn't the main starters. Gerard Moreno wasn't playing, you know, but... Um, they did have it was more like the bench you know but like granero was starting uh javi lopez you know he's a veteran he was captaining but i mean just to give you a sense if you didn't watch the match just to give you a sense of what the makeup of this team was like at the beginning of the game at kickoff alex vidal was the captain because he was actually the most senior member of the squad so vidal was captaining this team i know i i said something on twitter or i said something to mention that, that uh, Vidal being the captain of the team, you know, who would have seen that? And I mean, even he had a good match, you know, he, he had some really good, good clean shots on goal. Obviously it's kind of the thing that's, um, you know, not hurt him, but, you know, not being able to convert on those goals, you know, he needs to be able to be, be more lethal as a right wing, because if he can, if he's able to score those goals, more Kool-Aids will support him. You know, that's part of the problem is that, you know, we see how he plays and he's just missing that last, you know, 10 to 15 percent. You know, when I was watching the highlights again before we were recording, he had two shots on goal where he could have gone a little bit further with the ball and done more. But he took a shot and went right to the keeper. And those are things that, you know, as a professional, you should be able to, you know, make the keeper dive a little bit more. Now, obviously, you know, I'm talking just by watching. and I know it's more difficult, but at the same time, you know, you're an elite footballer you should be able to you know what was the last time he really scored I mean I know it was against the classical but that was really not the type of goal that you expect him to score he's had a lot of one-on-one opportunities and he hasn't been able to convert so uh yeah like you like you said he was the captain of the team so that was an interesting side note <laughs> yeah and the real bummer for me actually was in the very first minute like not even one minute into the match there was a great play where they broke out Vidal made a great pass to Paco Paco had a open shot on just on the goalkeeper no one else was in his way and he just sent it into the stands and I felt like that was a real a real bummer and of course you know in that opening moment you don't think too much of it you figure we'll have more chances right the game's long it's 90 minutes there will be more chances like this but there really weren't any chances quite as clean as that for Paco and I really wish he'd have put that one away 
Yeah, it's it's almost, uh, for example, if you golf and you don't golf for a while and you go back and you try to hit that first drive, m- more than likely you're going to shank it to the left. And that's kind of what it was where Paco hasn't had live action like that in a long time. And he didn't, I, maybe he was just surprised by how quick he was going to have an opportunity. You know, usually you want to kind of get into the game and, you know, have a couple passes and, okay, this is where my touch is going to be. And right off the bat, he had the opportunity to score and he totally just skied him. He just shanked it <laughs> into the stand. So, but I can, I could totally, you know, relate to that because that's happened to me often where, you know, you have a breakaway right in the beginning of the match and you're so excited to have this opportunity and you try to do too much with it and, you, you know, you skunk it, right? And then, like you said earlier, you think you're gonna have more opportunities and those opportunities doesn't come for another 25 minutes. All of a sudden you just, it starts doing mental gymnastics in your head about that play, you know? And so, yeah, uh, but he- yeah, it's re- really disappointing. But then again, like you're saying, understandable that he would miss it. You know, he hasn't had a lot of real life action lately. He hasn't been playing much. So yeah. And you're, you're one minute into the game. You kind of want to, you want to get your legs moving a little bit. You want to get into some rhythm. So you, it's totally understandable that he would have missed it for all these reasons, you know, even being the professional that he is. And he is a good professional, uh, but it is just a, it's a bummer. Yeah, because I, like like I said, I'm a big Paco fan. I think that, um, especially in this 4-4-2, I think it would be perfect for him. I just, you know, I just wish Val Green would just give him some more opportunities and just have Messi go into the midfield role because I think, you know, since he's such a free-flowing player and if we have Paco and Luis, I think it would be a lethal combination uh, especially like, for example, against Chelsea, if we, we decide to go 4-4-2, I think that'll be even more deadly than just having Suarez and Messi just lining up the 1-1. So, All right, but let's talk about Champions League because we have our next match with Chelsea coming up this week. So currently, of course, we're drawn at one goal, but we have the away goal. And this could prove to be a really big advantage if Chelsea come out with the same kind of game plan that they did in the first leg. I mean, for me, the main thing to worry about as far as Chelsea scoring is clearly Willian, right? I mean, what do you think Val Green's going to do to hogtie this guy? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, playing that first match away really helped us because now I think Busquets and Rakitic have a, a really great idea of how fast he is on the field. You know, it's one thing to see his speed on fi- on film, but then actually see him in person. Um, I think they're going to mark him better. I think they're definitely going to focus on him as well as Hazard being the two main threats going forward. Now, this past weekend, they played in a 3-5-3, I believe, with Hazard, Willian, and Oliver Giroud. If that happens, um, I like that because Giroud's not that good. I don't. I think he's very overrated. Yeah. And I think if he plays, I think, you know, obviously it takes away from a position player in the midfield that they could um, – use so you know for me again i think val green has shown obviously um how tight our defense is and we're just gonna be able to mark it i have a feeling he's gonna go with the 4-4-2 at the beginning just to be more conservative now i would prefer just to open up with the 4-3-3 because i just think we should just be able to take it to them i mean i remember we talked this week about the tottenham juventus champions league game the, the first leg was two to two and Tottenham went up one, nothing on the second leg, but they weren't able to adjust to, to, to uh, Juventus tactics and they were able to get two away goals. I don't want that to happen. I want to actually win this match. I would rather, I don't want to be conservative, so conservative that we allow Chelsea on counters, you know? And so that, that to me worries me a little bit. So 
Uh, what do you think Val Green's going to do with the lineup this week? I mean, I think he's going to be conservative because that's what he's been all season long. Keep in mind, he's gotten good results in the league, right? Still undefeated, but uh, he's he's just a more conservative manager. He's not really into the the very aggressive, really take it to them approach. You know, he wants to start with a a, a, a core a firm sort of backing of solid defense and not take too many risks going forward. Even against quote-unquote weaker sides or supposed weaker sides, he still tends to go a little bit conservative. So I think that's what he's going to do this time. And I do think that there's the potential that that could bite him in the ass. Yeah, and that's the thing is that, you know, I want to see Sergio Roberto in the midfield in this match. I think he would give us the possession that we need, but also giving us that attacking, you know, linking play with Messi that we'd lack, you know, and if we go with a four, four, two, for example, I want to, I would like to see Semedo as the right back and then put Sergio Roberto, you know, in the midfield, you know, with Rakitic, Busquets and Paulinho, maybe, you know, I think that will help us with better passing and then having Messi, if he's going to go with Messi and Suarez up top. Now, if he goes four, three, three, you know, I would love to see Dembele up there. I think it would give uh, Chelsea something to really focus on in that right corner where we can really expose our speed with Dembele and then have Suarez bully himself in the middle. You know, that was one of the things in the first leg, we didn't take risks, right? We didn't. We had the possession, but we really didn't take any shots or we didn't take any risks. I think we need to take a little bit more risks in this leg because if Chelsea gets the ball, they're not good enough to possess the ball and give us any kind of threat working the ball through the field. They're, they're going to be looking always at the counter because that's what they think they can get us on. Right. Well, and they're right. I mean, it's, it's the one thing they could get us on. The question is whether or not they actually will. I mean, I do imagine that we're going to be playing with a pretty high line. Um, of course, I'm assuming we're going to have PK and Umtiti in the center. So that already makes me feel better. And I'm also assuming we're going to have Busquets. So there is a core right there in the middle that's going to be holding things down. But if they can get through a high line like that with a just one one long ball forward and a good finish, maybe from William because he's got the speed, he's got the legs to take it on, you know, that, that could be it. Now, of course, I'm also assuming we're going to score at least one, maybe two goals. Yeah, I, you know, I agree with you on that. And I just think having Semedo out there just gives us more speed on that corner where – it just kind of negates Willian's speed. You know what I'm saying? So if we have Semedo up there, I think that makes us stronger defensively because if the ball, like just as you said with the long ball, Semedo can track that down. And then also we're using the Sergio Roberto in the midfield to link up the play and do the possession. But you're forgetting that Semedo is injured. He's, oh, yeah, forgot. you forgot. <laughs> Semedo's oh, out. Hamstring injury until about April 1st is when it would probably be about the earliest he could be back. So no Semedo. Sergio Roberto will definitely be playing right back in this game. Okay, good good job, Brian. Way to to rain on your parade. God damn it. God damn it. All right, so. There goes my whole theory. I know. There goes my whole lineup theory out the window. Whoosh. All right, so then, so then, who do we go? I mean, I guess then we obviously we go uh, Alba, Titi, uh, Sergio Roberto, PK, right? Sure. Who gets Rakitic, and then we're probably gonna go what? Paulinho, Andres Gomes. Oh my god! No, 
Where are we at with Iniesta? Is he injured? Or no, there is a rumor injured. that he is he is better. He's gotten better from his injury, and he will he may very well be fit for the Chelsea match. And if he is, I would not be surprised if he played. Obviously, obviously, he's going to be in the if he can. But if he can't, we have to think of that, right? So if he can't, then all of a sudden we have Busquets, Rakitic, right? And then who are those other two midfielders that are going to come in? I mean, he's obviously going to use Paulinho because he has faith in Paulinho. And again, for me, might as well go with the 4-3-3 because then at least you have Dembele up there to give you some more width, especially with the, the pitch of the Camp No. But Yeah, because we don't like, have Coutinho. We can't use Coutinho. Exactly. He, he's cup tied. Exactly. And, you know, as we've seen, uh, Andres Gomes obviously has nude photos of Val Green. So he could <laughs> see playing time against Chelsea. He could even start. And if he starts, that is worrisome for me, you know? I mean, what? I mean, would you rather have Vidal or Andres Gomes in the midfield? Vidal. Yeah, I see. Because at least so, Vidal will take a risk. He will try things. He'll He'll make a run. He'll make a dynamic pass, things that Gomes just won't do. But I'm I'm trying to think of maybe actually not a 4-3-3 specifically, but more like a 4-3-1-2 or maybe a 4-4-2, but one of those four is actually Messi. So more yeah, like a 4-3-1-2 Messi as the playmaker, the false nine, and Paco and Suarez up front. We've been talking about this pairing for we've seen we've seen it very little. We've talked about it a lot. I think that could be really lethal in this match. Yeah, but I just I just don't think he has faith in Paco. You know, I think he has more faith in Andres Gomes or Paulinho in the midfield. I think he always wants to have a stronger midfield, and especially with Paulinho and Andres Gomes being more physical to counter Chelsea's physicality. I think that's where he'll probably go now. This is going, man. I Yuri Mina in the in the midfield. That's the answer. <laughs> is it too early to get Arthur? <laughs> yeah, you just get him, get him over here. Get him over here. Oh get him on God. a plane right now. Having, having Coutinho cup tied, that really hurts us because this would be a perfect match, obviously, to showcase him on the left side of the Iniesta and have a 4-3-3. But, man, I mean, see, this is part of the, you know, again, I think Paulinho and Andres Gomes are basically the same type of player. You know, they don't give you that. They don't possess the ball. They don't, they're not going to give you that crazy dynamic attacking and yeah this is going to be very interesting now man that whole tomato injury just throws everything in my my monkey wrench plans here oh yeah i mean you had the whiteboard with you had the whole lineup all worked out in your on your wall and now i just ruined it everything yeah erase it all right erase it all (laughs) start again i mean from scratch exactly I mean, yeah, I mean, the one thing, you know, that I do have confidence is that our defense is going to be really good. I mean, we've been really good all year long. Again, just, you know, we have to score goals and we have to take risks. I mean, we just have to, because if we don't, we're not going to score and Chelsea can just park the bus and they just need that one away goal. And that's just going to throw, you know, complete chaos into our plans. Yeah, yeah. But I, so I think we've uh, I think we've pretty much figured it out. Uh, we've cracked the code. We totally know what the lineup should be. Uh, we'll just see if Val Green listens uh, for a change, right? <laughs> Listen to your I mean, shadow it, board. <laughs> yeah, come on, Val Green. Listen to us. Get it use together. Paco, I know. Use Paco and Luis Suarez. I mean, they only have three defenders back there. You know, they're going to be in a three-five-three, something like this. I mean, we sh- if we have two real strikers, they can post up and really cause threat or a four-three-three. You know, I just want us to go after the game and. You know, if we do lose this game, I don't want it to because we had 90% possession and only one shot on goal. 
Right. I don't want that. You know, I'd rather have 60% and having six shots on goal and say, okay, at least we tried, you know, we tried doing long crosses through balls and all, you know, every time we've been knocked out of champions league, it's the same formula. We had 80% possession. The other team had a counter attack goal and we didn't have any occasions on scoring. So we need to change that, that, that formula up. And hopefully, you know, especially being at home, that'll give us uh, an advantage using the width of the field. Yeah, and again, it just comes back to the way that a knockout tournament is organized. That's just it's just part of it where it's just like the World Cup, the Champions League is no different. Once you get into the knockout stages, conservatism wins. Conservatism gets you to the final. And then in the final, you can let loose. Exactly. I mean, you need to get, you know, you just need to get the goals, the away goal that which we did. And we just have to lock them down. And also we just have to take those risks. You know, you know, I can see us definitely pinging the ball around for the first 45 minutes, zero, zero at halftime, and then making some more adjustments from then. But I just really hope that we're able to break through and get that early goal, because if we can get that early goal, like we said in the, in the first leg, then we're able to get some more goals and it's more wide open. Yes. So of course we'll be looking forward to that, but let's now shift to the La Liga that was this last week. Uh, again, as far as uh, the other things happening in La Liga, whatever happened with you know Real Madrid, Atletico, all that sort of stuff, we are going to pick up on that on Monday in a video on our Patreon page. So please do check that out and consider becoming a supporter on Patreon at $3 a month. But let's talk about the Malaga match. So this was played, it was match day 28, played at La Rosaleda, got a 2-0 result, and actually it was, I mean, kind of a snooze uh, of a match, actually. So starting from the beginning, Malaga made uh, this management change in January because they were pulling up last place in the table. The club decided to make that change. So far, they have not done much better in the league. They're still in last place by a widening margin, but at least at least they made an effort by getting in a new manager. Uh, but they were the last team that Barca lost to in the league, actually, around this time last year. But that was a very different Malaga and a very different Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this match many times about the, you know, going away at Malaga, how tough it's always, it always is. And especially last year where I thought the league was lost, you know, because we didn't take that game serious enough. I think Luis Enrique lost the league in that match because I think he rested some players, but also the, you know, he didn't put the importance of that match, you know, to the players, it seemed. Um, again, like you said, Malaga not doing very well this year. I couldn't believe they only had 13 points. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's well, you know, very bad. Whereas, yeah, whereas we have 65 plus, you know, it's crazy just to see the difference of, you know, the gap from one, you know, first place team to the 20th place team. So, you know, watching this match, you know, like you said, it was a bit of a snooze fest a little bit, especially, you know, after we got those first two goals, it was almost game set Guillermo right there, you know, and we just had to weather them, not get any injuries and just get back on the flight and go home. You know, it was type, <laughs> that type of match. Right. So, yeah. Um, but for me, you know, I like the lineup that we had. I, you know, especially Dembele starting. I thought that was really key. He had some really great plays. I think the team in the first 30 minutes, we had a lot of attacking opportunities. Um, Suarez looked like he was engaged, especially with the, you know, now that he didn't have to worry about the yellow card going forward against Atletico, he was able to play the way that Suarez always plays, you know, right on the edge right there. And I think overall, you know, the lineup with the team, we did 
exactly what we needed to do. We got the result, got the three points, and we just left Malaga with no key entries, which was huge. Yeah, and that front three, Coutinho, Dembele, Suarez, I thought that was, when I saw it on the lineup, I was very excited. And then when I saw it actually happening, I thought, this is this is beautiful. I mean, like it wasn't, you know, it's not all finely tuned yet or anything, but these three guys, they haven't played together much. But you can see the 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 hints you know you can see the 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 foreboding quality of just like how powerful these three guys together could be yeah and as we talked about in some previous episodes that I never imagined using Coutinho at the top of the 4-3-3, you know, and I think that's a really great wrinkle that Val Green's able to use, you know, because especially in this formation, we had a really strong midfield, you know, defensively. We had Busquets, Rakitic, and Paulinho, you know, so, you know, going down the middle, it was going to be difficult for Malaga, and again, we were able to possess the ball a lot, and having Coutinho, I don't know if you noticed, a bunch of times when he would cut into the middle, the players would jump at him, right? And so when they jumped at him, he's able to dish it off and he's able to do a give and go. And that creates all that space behind. So you can see that the players in La Liga are starting, you know, obviously they respect Coutinho's long shot ability and that just opens up more holes behind them. And, you know, Coutinho had a great match. I thought it was one of his better matches this year. He looked aggressive he had better passing to this match. He was able to hold the ball. So for me, I was really happy to see Coutinho's, um, you know, just getting better and better with each game that he's playing. Yeah, well, let's talk about some specific moments, uh, especially in the first half, because pretty much the whole game was played in the first half. Uh, with just three key moments, the win was pretty much in the bag before halftime. So, of course, first off, there was the 15-minute goal, the first goal by Luis Suarez. And that ball in from Alba, I th- I feel like we could talk about this ball in from Alba for at least a few minutes because that was incredible. Every replay I see, I still cannot believe this pass. Um, Pauly started the play with the ball out to Jordi, and then that ball, it, or no, actually, was it Suarez? He actually passed it out to Jordi, and then he started making his run. I actually forget, but that ball that Jordi put in was like the best of the year, easily. Yeah, I agree, and... We should do this more, you know, from these type of counters where Suarez goes right up the middle because Suarez is really good in the air, obviously. You know, when he has that kind of opportunity and time, he can usually convert. But again, that ball from Alba was perfect because it was a driving ball and it went over the defender right in between to Suarez. The keeper had no shot because he didn't know if it was going to land or where it was going to land. And you just see the keeper's reaction and Suarez has an open header. Essentially it's, he can go left or right and he chose left and he was able to convert. It was just the ball though. Like you said, Alba being able to see Suarez's run and do that. I think we should use that type of ball more. I mean, we've seen Sergio Roberto use it on the ground and we can use it on the, on the, in the air as well, especially, you know, this is a great type of counterattacking type of play where we have enough space between the keeper and the last line of defense. And Suarez is able to find that space. He's not off sides, obviously, and he's able to convert. So all in all, just a great play. But again, like you said, Alba's ball, ball of the year so far. Yeah, easily. I mean, like it just had all this curve and swerve. I mean, it helps that he had all the time in the world that he wanted to set up the pass and no one was really pressuring him. Of course, against a better side, against an Atletico, a Valencia, against a Real Madrid, he's going to get shut down and he's not going to have the chance to make such a great pass. But in this case, Malaga just 
they did not shut him down, and he made probably one of the most beautiful passes of the year. Now, then there was the second goal by Coutinho, and this was another one, and I'm going to quote Ray Hudson on this. It was stupefyingly magnificent by Ray Hudson's words, and I totally agree. I mean, the Dembele, to begin with, he stopped the ball on a dime in the box and then put it in for Cooter. That's what I'm going to start calling Coutinho. And and then and then Cooter puts it away with this back heel nutmeg finish. I mean, I don't think anyone would have seen any part of that play coming. No, and I think a couple of things. I think Dembele finally figured out the correct stud length to use on his shoes because <laughs> he wasn't slipping. <laughs> he wasn't slipping, and also I don't know if you remember the Catalan Cup and this this match. He was he didn't slip that much. He definitely looked more confident, especially when he does that move. He stops on a dime and then cuts it back. He did that a couple of times, and he was able to stay up on his feet. I think, like I said, this match for me. You know, I think it was his best match so far. He was able to find Suarez. He was really looking to make the great passes in the middle. And to me, I love the way he's able to use his speed. And especially in this one, the defender has to respect his speed going to the touchline that he's able to use his move. And once it was almost like in Top Gun where he just did the air brakes and they flew right by kind of a thing. Right. But he was able to st- he was able to stop on a dime. The guy just went flying away. And then all of a sudden he was just had an open opportunity. He could he could have passed to three people. And he picked Coutinho and obviously Coutinho with the with a nice little flick back was just brilliant. And Alba was there just in case for the rebound, which was great. But again, Coutinho scores and Dembele gets an assist, and they just looked really um, comfortable playing with each other and just knowing where everyone's going to be. Yeah, it was really beautiful and fun and exciting because these are our two big signings, right? They're really delivering. And even though even though it was against Malaga, right, not the most threatening side or probably about as far from the most threatening side as there can be in La Liga. But still, it was a great moment. Now, they get ahead two goals. Great. We're 30 minutes in. Two minutes later, Samuel Garcia from Malaga takes a red card, gets thrown out of the game. So he came in through the back of Jordi Alba. He went diving in, both feet up, studs out, cut down Jordi right at the ankle. And it looked really bad at first, but I saw another angle where it didn't look like a serious injury, so I was glad about that. But being two goals up, Chelsea on the horizon, now this guy's got a red card. The game is probably in hand. Do you think Val Green should have pulled Jordi at that point? already you know being up two goals with Chelsea coming I think he you know he obviously talked to Alba to see how he was but you know maybe I would have taken him out at halftime just to preserve him but yeah this tackle was really bad because when I was watching the match the commentators even they were like oh you know like (laughs) 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 they yelled I love your uh, impression of Spanish sports thank you thank you journalists that's that's exactly what they did that's exactly what they did they're just like oh no puede ser oh you know it's like oh my gosh um, but yeah, it was a really bad tackle. And the best part too, for me was when he, when Garcia's walking off the field, he really thinks he didn't do anything wrong. And I, I was just like, is this guy serious? Yeah. Cause he was, he was arguing with the fourth official and I don't know if you saw, but Alba had a hole in his sock, the way he came in studs up and there's no need for that because Barcelona was not trying to win the match 6-0 to embarrass Malaga. At that point, they were just possessing the ball. They were already up 2-0. They weren't hot-dogging it. They weren't doing anything to antagonize Malaga. So there was no reason for this tackle. But when I saw that tackle, that's, you know, as soon as we're up 2-0, that's immediately what I start to think of. 
is just don't get any injuries. Yeah. You know, especially for Wednesday's match. You know, these are the time when I start thinking. And when this tackle came in, I was like, oh God, just, you know, please be okay. And he was able to run it off and he was okay. And he eventually got subbed off. So it wasn't until the second half he got subbed off um, by Dignan. Yeah. And so with those three key moments, that pretty much put the game in the bag. And then the second half was a literal snooze fest for me. I actually fell asleep watching this second half. But uh, but there were a, a couple of moments that I found were worth talking about. For instance, um, in the 65th minute, I, I enjoyed this play. Sergi made a run, got the switch ball from Rakitic, and he was a little off balance, but he still managed to get off a good pass for Dembele to take a shot. And it was a really solid shot, but Jimenez got the save on that play. Yeah, and like you said, I as soon as the second half, I was working on some other things. So I had this in the in the fondo in the background. And so I just kind of was peering here and there. I don't remember this play. So it was just, it was, I was impressed with Sergi's ability to get, get a good pass off t- for Dembele, even though he was clearly off balance. And it's just one of those things. I Yet another thing I love about Sergi is, you know, his, uh, his can do attitude that, that he, he gets, he, he's not always elegant. He's not always pretty. Sometimes he's running like a gazelle and he's gorgeous, but you know, there are often times when he's not a little he's a little off footed or something's not quite right, but he still manages to to get the pass off and it still has quality. Now, just five minutes later, there was this another shot taken by Coutinho from outside the box, and it was saved again, but I just I really love that we have that specific attacking threat. That attacking threat of Coutinho taking that shot from outside the box. It's a it's a particular spot that he likes, but he's very effective from that spot. He l- looks for that shot and just knowing that we have that threat, even if it always gets shut down, the fact that it's there creates space in other places for for other goals to take place. Exactly. I mean, you have to I always think of um defending attacking football players as a defending basketball players the same type of analogy so if you have a basketball player that can only shoot and that's all he does and he doesn't move around he doesn't dribble he's not it's easier to defend him because you know he's not going to go by you it's the same thing so now with Coutinho in our attacking threat you know before you're always saying to Barca okay you know they're really not going to take shots from outside so I don't have to worry about that that's one less thing I have to worry about defending them now, having Coutinho, who is lethal from outside, he can score from that. All of a sudden now, you you see him, you know, get ready to cock his leg back, and he's you're like, oh, no. And then you have to go, and then he gives a nice little drop pass to someone. Then all of a sudden, like as we mentioned in the Catalan Cup, like you have this space behind you that you're exposed. And so that gives more uh, spacing for Alba, for Suarez, for Messi going forward. And, you know, from like I, I totally agree with you, Brian, that – you know, having Coutinho as a scoring center from the outside is just a really nice luxury to have finally. Yeah. And I mean, even if he only scores two, three goals doing that in a season, that's fine with me. As long as the threat is there and constant, then I'm good. Yeah. 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 And especially like in this match, he, you know, he took shots, you know, he's, he takes shots from the outside. And so, yeah, exactly. He doesn't have to score that many goals. He just has to be the threat. And, you know, Coutinho already has a couple goals. He already has the one long distance goal. He already has the goal in this match where it was just, you know, he was in the middle of the box. You know, he's all over the place. And I think, you know, 
when he was playing at Liverpool, he was always strictly on that left side. He didn't really move. And he didn't have that free flow. But I think here, you know, as we can see, he's been playing up top. He's played on the right wing. He's played on the right mid. He's been playing all over. Obviously, playing left mid is his strongest position. But I just think we're able to showcase more of his skills, his more of his attacking skills when he's playing up top. And, you know, I just, especially if when we're missing Messi, it's a nice luxury to have that we can just plug him in in the 4-3-3 like that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Now, I do think that the substitutions, or at least one of them, are worth mentioning because the most curious or or maybe even the most comical one for me was the first substitution when Gomes came in for Sergio Roberto in the 74th minute. You know, and you said Gomes wasn't good for anything. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's funny that um, on Wednesday or Thursday when they won the Catalan Cup, I tweeted out, they can never take the Catalan Cup away from Andres Gomes. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just put hashtag immortal. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, okay, so this is part of the thing. I feel bad because I know he's not, he never plays in the position that made him. I don't know, the attractive player that he was in Valencia. When he was in Valencia, he played in the middle and he had more freedom and he was able to showcase more of his skills. Because I went back and I saw his highlight reel in Valencia. So I know he has the potential. But again, he's not good enough to play that in that position here at Barca. So Valgrin just uses him wherever. And I have to give Andres Gomes credit that he just goes in and does it. Now, Obviously, it was a very curious substitution for him to come in for Sergi. He didn't do anything bad again, and he didn't do anything great. So, again, it just fits his vanilla personality, right? You just plug him in, and he's able to be, you know, again, he didn't do anything great. He didn't get a yellow card. He didn't cause a penalty. But, yeah, it was a curious substitution. But, again, they were a man down. We could play around a little bit with our, you know, with our lineup like this. And, again, he's just preserving Sergi and Jordi. Dembele with the substitutions to to have them ready for the Chelsea match on Wednesday. Well, now here's an idea. Could Gomes be the new Sergi Roberto? That is to say the the new right back who's not really a right back and who maybe eventually will become a decent right back. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think his skill set is very specific. And I mean, going back to that Catalan Super Cup final, he was playing in the Busquets role, but well... He was playing the central holding midfielder role, but he wasn't doing it anywhere near as well as Busquets. I mean, honestly, if you were to ask me why that match actually went to penalties, it was because Gomes was in that position. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I just don't think he... I think he's just more midfielder, and to now put him in the, as a right back, I just think it's too late, you know? I think... You know, Sergio Roberto, he was put it right back out of necessity, we know, with Danny Alves, you know, leaving and so forth. And I think they also gave him opportunities to play in the right back. So he was able to get comfortable playing as a right back. I just don't think that Andres Gomes wants to play right back. I just don't think that would suit him. He's not fast enough. Uh, could you imagine him against, you know, William? I mean, just think about <laughs> no. that. That would be like your worst nightmare, you know, a foot race against William. And then all of a sudden, William just you know, he could easily uh, beat him one-on-one. And then all of a sudden we have no one behind him. You know, that's the thing is that Andres Gomes is, you know, okay. Physic, you know, again, he's out there because he's physical, right? Because he's a tall guy. He's a guy that you can't move. And that's why I think Val Green likes him um, because, you know, he's a strong type of player that does, you know, that can't be moved off the ball. But 
to me, as we've talked about, as a Barcelona midfielder, I want midfielders that are really, you know, really good with their feet, able to see passing lanes, able to take on a player one-on-one when needed, and also just, you know, being able to link up those plays. And Andres Gomez just lacks those qualities. And so that's why I think he's not suited for Barcelona. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But so to to wrap up this match, uh, the undefeated streak in La Liga is now at 35 for Barcelona, and that is only three games shy of the La Liga record set by Sociedad in 1979-1980, which is a whole different era. I mean, if if we can if we can go three more games undefeated in La Liga and well, no, four more, I guess, and beat that record, three more to tie, that would be I think one very possible with the way we've been playing. I mean, you know, I'm not I don't want to jinx anything. I'm not trying to do that, but I think it's 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 at least plausible. And I think that would be just a nice, a nice, an extra nice story for the year. I mean, of course, it always comes down to trophies. These these streaks, these records, like they can all get set. And in the end, if you don't win the trophy, it's kind of like who cares. But if they do win the trophy, great. And then this would be kind of like a nice side story. Yeah, and I think, like you said, I think it's plausible, and I think they can get it. I think. I personally think they will get it. And if we do get the next four matches where we stay undefeated, I think we could definitely clinch La Liga because I think they'll just put too much pressure on Atletico to perform. Now they're playing right now as we're recording and, you know, they have a tricky schedule because they're playing the Europa league. Those matches are on Thursday. And also they have to fly to, you know, depending on their draw, they could fly to a random European city on a you know Wednesday, Thursday type of thing. I just think, you know, this is a great thing for Val Green if he continues to, you know, get this undefeated streak. It just shows to, you know, it's just crazy to me, you know, six, seven months ago, the opposite was happening. We were, you know, when we first started recording this, we were talking about, you know, throw up the white flag, uh, <laughs> we, you know, send in the troops. Get where, the board you know, out of there. Exactly. We're, you know, we're a sinking ship. And now we're doing really well in all of the competitions. We're first place. We've got the players that we wanted. Val Green has them playing really well. So I just think this is a really, you know, um, like you said, a feather in the cap if we win the league. Yeah. Now let's talk man of the match for the Malaga game. Who was your man of the match? Yeah, my man of the match was Dembele. I think this was his best match um, for Barca. I think he just looked more confident. Obviously he had the assist to Coutinho with the nice, stop on the dime, air brakes, top gun move that he did. <laughs> um, it's very patented that he does. I think that's a, that's a good move. And I just, I think going forward, he's just, you can see he's a special player that's going to fit really nicely in the 4-3-3 as that right wing uh, position. So um, I think he spreads the, the defense. Um, when he's on the field, he gives us that dynamic play that we'd like to see you know obviously when, as soon as he scores his first goal I think that's just really going to give him even more confidence he almost had a goal in this match he had a shot that was a really nice shot but it was saved and again he's just more and more that he's playing he's developing more chemistry with Suarez with Messi and Coutinho and he's starting to develop that that passing chemistry that that comes from just more playing time so what did you think of uh, Dembele's play no I totally match? agree yeah and uh, I, it's funny because I watched the Catalan Super Cup after the Malaga match, actually. And so uh, if you watch them both in order, you could see 
how he's developing and, and getting better because he looked very good in the Espanol match. And then he looked really good, even better, in fact, in this Malaga match. I think he's starting to, especially he's starting to make some really good dribbles. And he's starting to try making dribbles more. Again, he is only 20 years old, and he is starting to look very threatening. Is he as threatening as Messi was at 20 years old? Maybe not. But you cannot compare anyone to Messi at any point in his life. right? (laughs) But so I thought Dembele did a great job. Yeah, and the other thing too is you know lately with um, you know Paris losing in the Champions League and the Neymar rumors, you know he's getting compared to Neymar, and I think wrongly. You know, I obviously they have you know maybe the same type of game a little bit where they're they're flair type of players, you know, but a lot of Kules have been not giving Dembele the chance to perform. You know, Um, I think going forward you're going to see that he's he is a great talent. There is a reason why um, Dortmund you know, had him playing such a young, at such a young age. And you can see the flashes, you know, it just, it's just coming with the playing time and the confidence. So, you know, um, you know, he's just going to help our team even more if he continues to play like this. So uh, who was your man of the match? I went with Luis Suarez because uh, I felt like he really stepped up to lead the attack in Messi's absence. Uh, it was kind of the perfect game for Messi to miss actually. So I don't know if uh, nine months ago he and, he and Antonella kind of worked this all out. They looked at the schedule. They're like, okay, tonight's the night <laughs> because I can miss that game. But, uh, yeah, it was it was perfect. But Luis Suarez really stepped in to lead the attack. Now, by comparison, I want to say that ball from Jordi on that first goal, again, was poetry. Paulinho made key passes on both goals. Dembele was brilliant in his assist on the second goal and otherwise, you know, why, that's why you picked him as man of the match. But for me, Suarez was the man at the center. He was leading the charge. And even though Busquets was wearing the captain's armband, I think Suarez was the captain of the attack in this match. And he was called offside three times, but two of those were out and out bad calls. They were just very bad calls. So for me, Luis Suarez was the man of the match in this game. Yeah, I think that's a good point that you brought up about how his kind of bravado or his attitude, right? He kind of just showed that he was the man in this match, right? So he kind of, you know, with his body language, of course, I am a body language expert, right? That, um, you know, he basically told the team, you know, it's going to go through me. And especially he had some other opportunities where he came up short, but in that header goal, he started off the scoring right. And, um, there was a couple other plays where he had that he looked super dangerous. But again, I totally agree with you with his attitude of, you know, quote unquote, being the captain of the attack. So I think it was a good selection for Suarez as man of the match other than Messi. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. You're yeah, welcome. Yeah, no problem. So next in La Liga, of course, we have Champions League midweek. But next weekend in La Liga, we have Athletic Bilbao. That's next Sunday, the 18th. It's in the Camp Nou. And it is one of those 415 kickoff times. Yeah, you know, those <laughs> those crazy 415 times, you know, that that they are notorious uh, for Barcelona losses or draws um, or anything draws could happen. Or, yeah, or but basically just bad performances, right? I mean, that's what we're really getting at. Rakitic um, comes out in his bathrobe. He's just not ready. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, I thought the match was at eight tonight. What's oh, going on here? Right? Oh. <laughs> Rubbing the sleep out of his eyes 20 minutes into the first half. Exactly. And. 
you know, that's hopefully, you know, they can avoid that. Um, you know, obviously Athletic Bilbao is a very physical team, but since we're playing at the Camp no, I think we should be able to get those points, spread them out. They've been very um, off and on. I mean, they, they, they're going forward in the Europa League, but in La Liga, they haven't been very consistent. Um, you know, uh, Williams, their, one of their star players, hasn't had a good year this year. Um, it just shows goes to show you that last year how good Val Green was good managing Williams's career because now you can see, you know, Williams's goal production is much lower this year and they're not as dangerous as they once were. Now they still have talent, but I just think you know with the width of our field as you know playing at home that we were able to spread them and uh, get those points. Yeah, I mean you know they really are on a bad run of form uh, regardless of how they might have done against Leganes this weekend. You know, they haven't had a win since they beat Malaga back on match day 25. You know, they're down two goals against Marseille in the Europa League round of 16. And before that, they'd suffered a loss to Sevilla and a draw to Valencia. So do you think Barca can keep this undefeated streak going against Athletic? Yes. In a, in a, in a word, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely think... You know, especially with the amount of time between the games, you know, from Wednesday to Sunday, that gives us some extra time and also being at home for both of those matches. I think that definitely helps as well with no travel time. We're able to be more comfortable. I just think the way we're playing our defense all year long, um, again, Athletic Bilbao doesn't have uh, Adris. I think he's still injured too. So that's another thing that they're missing him. So they're not as big of an aerial threat as they usually are. And I think we should be able to get those points. And I, obviously, Val Green knows the team in and out. So he knows their weaknesses and, and how to, to really scout for them. So I think that gives us a big advantage going forward. Barza Talk is written by Gabriel Quiroga and myself, Brian Henderson. The show is edited by Brian Henderson, and the music is also by Brian Henderson. Gabriel Quiroga is our promotion and social media manager, which means this is a two-man show. Go ahead and be a part of it. Give us your comments, questions, topics you'd like us to discuss. Visit barzatalk.net and find the contact page or one of our social media channels. And if you want to support the show, click on the support tab at barzatalk.net to do that. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word about Barca Talk. Until next week, I'm Brian Henderson. I'm Gabriel Quiroga. And this is Barca Talk. Thanks for listening. Visca Barca. Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.